Hello and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diokis to Yazdegerd III. I'm Serial and my pronouns are they them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he him. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 35, titled Fratis the Second, where we get to see what happens to the empire after Mithridates the First made it. Let's see if it holds up, if it just collapses in one generation and everything goes to hell, or oh, well. if it does better than that. Serial, what is your prediction? Good, hooray, continue improving, uh, stable, or failure? Well, like, if I remember correctly from last time we talked, our previous king, Mithridates I, was just a bit of in between. But now the Parthians are coming? Right? I mean, Mithridates was the first Parthian. Oh, yeah. He's the guy that made the empire, Oh, yeah, basically. no, true. Wadfredad was the first... Vadfredad, yeah. He was there. No, so <laughs> Mithridates the first, he was promising. So I'm assuming the dynasty shall continue one way or another. That's fair. True. Yeah. It will continue. Let's see if it continues well or not. Indeed. Okay, so I guess we can start up with a recap of Mithridates and then jump into his son and figure out how everything's going to continue from there on. So, when Mithridates got to the throne at the beginning, we saw that he was just the king of a small little kingdom on the border of the Seleucid Empire, but as his reign proceeded, he managed to conquer most of Iran, went to take over Mesopotamia. In Mesopotamia, he fought with Demetrius II, the king of the Seleucid Empire, defeated him, and also captured him. Mm-hmm. But not only that, he gave him a nice palace and his daughter, and just kept Very him there. Very normal behavior. <laughs> yes. Also, we found that in the East, the birth of China has messed up the nomads. Right. And they were running every which way, and they were trying to attack the Parthian Empire, but Mithridates held them back, at least for now. But that's still something that is around. There's still going to be an issue for a while. We'll see how that goes. And yeah, apart from that, we saw that Mithridates had a lot of small vassal kingdoms that he was building up in Iran that needed to take care of. And in the end, he decided to leave his throne to his son, Phraates II, even though Phraates was a little bit young to actually take the throne. So he's going to need a regent for the first couple years. Hmm. He's going to be in charge. So there we go. That was the reign of Mithridates I, and now we can see what Phraates does. So, Phraates II was a son of Mithridates I, and we don't really have a clean date for when he was born, but given that he needed his mother, a woman called Rinu, to be his regent, he was probably born somewhere in the 140s, which makes him some sort of teenager when he Mm -hmm. becomes king. It's also kind of weird that you would have a ruler that needs a regent, if you have a sort of elective monarchy. So that's right. unexpected. Well, is it really elective, or is it like... I mean, it's elective if things it's are... It's elected by the king. I mean, yeah, but the nobles need to stamp it. Like, it's it not is... just that they might declare civil war, so that the nobles need to sort of accept Actually, you're, like, it is kind of strange now that you pointed out, because, yeah, you get to choose who succeeds you, so why would you worry so much about having an heir, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's a couple of possibilities are either that Phraates was, you know, such a precocious young man, such a skilled youth, that Mithridates said, no, I don't care that you might need a reason for a couple of years, you're the guy. Sort of like when Hadrian wanted Marcus Aurelius to succeed him, but he was a bit too young, so he needed somebody in the middle. So maybe Phraates was just very skilled and very good and needed and, you know, was meant to succeed anyway. I guess. Perhaps. Or we have that maybe Mithridates didn't really trust his brothers because he still has at least one brother that's alive. And so maybe he thought, no, I don't think he'd do a good job. My son, even though he's a teenager, he's probably going to do better. Mm Mm-hmm. Or it was just vanity on Mithridates' part saying, don't really care, I want my son to succeed. Sure, he's not exactly of adult age, but it'll do. (laughs) So one of these versions is probably what happened, but I guess based on what happens in the future, we'll get to judge if Phraates was actually the most capable 
guy in charge, or if he was just there because Mithridates preferred and nobody wanted to say no to him because, well, he created the empire, so might as well. Yeah, how do you, you know, you don't usually go against your emperor. Yeah, especially if he's like a strong emperor that's ruled for 30 years yeah. successfully. You're going to trust his judgment. He's done a good job so far. Might as well. Very fair. Or alternatively, one last one, is that maybe the nobility thought a regency is always a nice time to accumulate privileges for the nobility, so might as well make the kid king and we can just enjoy some corruption in the meantime. Who knows? <laughs> enjoy some corruption, you know. Yes, some nice sparkling corruption. Who doesn't? But yeah, so we have that Phraates takes the throne in 132 with his mother, Rinu, as regent. I see. And in the first years, those are mostly made up of consolidation, which we can assume is the regency bit of his reign, hmm. where there's no huge decisions being taken, but everything is meant to stabilize because the problem right now is that, well, Mithridates has only been in you know, central Iran for the past 10 years or so, and he's only really owned certain parts of it for about three to four years, so it's very fresh, and everybody could just decide, oh no, we don't accept this reign anymore. Mm -hmm. We're just going to go back to doing our old thing. You know, like, everybody who is alive right now, every adult, remembers a time before the Parthians. So it's not like it's this thing that's always been there and always will be. It's still very fresh news. And, mm -hmm. well, you need to make sure that everybody remembers that, oh, being with Parthia is a lot better than what we had before, so we're not going to rebel every 10 seconds. Will that work? Because that sounds great. Well, we'll see if it does work. <laughs> <laughs> because complications happen. Of course. So during the Regency phase, we have that the Empire is being consolidated, so there's some more control being imposed on these vassal kingdoms, Elamis in particular. In Persia, Phraates names the Frataraka in charge, a man called Darius, as king. Mm -hmm. So no longer just a governor, but an official king. So by exchanging favors, you're wanting them to stay with you, essentially, not just having them be somebody who would dream of something greater beyond you. Mm-hmm. And also what they're trying to do is trying to gain favor among all the different Greeks that exist across the empire. Because throughout the whole Seleucid Empire, Greeks and Macedonians and their descendants were the people in charge. So in every major city, the Hellenistic population is the one that is leading, the ones that are part of the aristocracy, the administration, mm -hmm. all that. And you need to try and be friends with them. And so Phraates also continues his father's policy of being a friend to the Greeks. He doesn't go all genocide. He decides, maybe <laughs> let's work with genocide. these people. <laughs> Just a little genocide is a treat. But no, he decides, it'll be cool. Let's not make a mess of things. It's going to be fine. But Phraates, if you remember, has inherited an important prisoner from his father. Right. Good old Demetrius II, who is now also Phraates' brother-in-law because he's married yeah. his sister. A prisoner who, like, we're treating so well, so I don't, you know. Yeah, it's What's your weird, point? very good treatment, but yeah, essentially it looks like maybe, we mentioned it last time, but it looks like maybe the plan was to use Demetrius as a puppet king to yeah. your own vassal kingdom in Syria if you want to invade there and, you know, tie him to your family. Makes sense, that's fair enough. How do you think Demetrius reacts to all of this? Nice treatment, all this wedding is he and potential okay being with it, or is he like, I am so going to die? <laughs> what is your danger. thought? What would you think if you were Demetrius? I'd be like, well, I better make myself useful, because if I stop being useful, I will perish. Fair, that's a good point. You know, better be good at the job that they've given me. <laughs> yeah, which at the moment is just marry the king's sister. Yeah. And and, be, Live in a and, and behave, so, you know. Yes. Well, Demetrius decides that he does not want to behave. Of course, because why would he? <laughs> he is a king, he is not going to be babysat and treated like this, he wants yeah. his kingdom back. Well, like, I get it, but also... 
thinks it's undignified to be given a palace and a princess. This is beneath him. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, you are I mean, already, Especially seeing like, how the Seleucid Empire looks. You're it's not already, great, my dude. You're doing better. Yeah. Like, of course it is undignified. Of course it is a shame for you. But, like, you lost. And right now you should yeah. work with what you have. Yeah. But in my opinion, you know, I am not a member of the royalty in, like, what year are we? The second century BC. So, sure. But also, you know, pick your battles. Yeah. Like, of course you shouldn't treat a king this way, but also, like, take what you've been given. What do you mean you shouldn't? I mean, actually, no. I go back on my words. <laughs> I said you shouldn't treat a king this way. This is exactly how you treat a king. You give them yeah. like a marriage to another this nobility is... person, and you're like, what? What is his issue? Yeah, I don't. He's a king without a kingdom. He lost Syria. In he a should civil be much anyway. worse off. Might as well. Not to say yeah. dead. So what is his problem? Yeah, I don't get it. Well, Demetrius, in his nice cushy palace in Parthia, decides to have a chat with a friend. And they decide to escape from the palace and heist him back all the way to Syria. Because it worked for Demetrius' dad, Demetrius. Might as well try a reverse heist in the opposite direction now. Uh, sure. (laughs) So Demetrius and his friend take a couple horses and run off away from the palace. We're not sure about the specific details, maybe under the guise of a hunt or something. That's always a good excuse to run away on a horse. Mm -hmm. Might as well. So Demetrius runs away, he tries to escape, but then he realizes, oh wait, I don't know what this country looks like, and the Parthians do. The Parthians have patrols around. This isn't going well. And Demetrius gets lost and is recaptured by the Parthians. Oh my god. He could have just been like, yeah, I just went hunting. <laughs> yeah. He got far away enough that it was probably oh not god. hunting Because, like, once you realize that, like, you're surrounded, you should probably be, like, abort mission. Yeah. I don't know. Man, what, 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 what the hell? So what do you think Frates does now to his guest who tried to escape? Is he still nice? Because, like, Demetrius does not deserve it. But he is married to... Do you think he takes from his father or no? Yeah, he's married to his sister. Yeah, he's married to his sister. So, like, you're not gonna just be like... Does he just... Please tell me he has a very stern (laughs) conversation with Demetrius. And it's like, please don't do that again. (laughs) Uh, basically, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, he goes to Demetrius' friend and gives him a cash reward saying, I appreciate that you're loyal to your friend. Good dude. Maybe oh. don't help him escape anymore, but well, that's, what? I appreciate your loyalty. Really? Yes. What? And then tells Demetrius, just stay in the palace with your wife and please don't leave anymore. So now Frates has decided to simply put Demetrius in house arrest and say, don't do it again. He's way too nice. Come on, like... my dude. <laughs> How about no? What do you think Demetrius does now? Please don't tell me he tries it again. <laughs> Well... Demetrius, what are you doing? I had, like, I... You're starting to resemble your namesake, and that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> yes, you were not a fan of Demetrius' original flavor. <laughs> Does this mean this, this is Diet Demetrius? Yes, this is Diet Demetrius. He's the one that's less impressive. Even less. Eh... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so Demetrius has some children with his wife, and Frates at this point having some brand new nephews, he thinks, okay, I guess Demetrius can be trusted. He's not going to abandon his whole family behind, is he? That's okay, Demetrius, you can go outside the palace a little bit, it'll be cool. I trust you now, pat pat. Oh god. And well, what does Demetrius do? He takes the same friend of last time and decides to escape off. And this friend takes some still, horses, trying still, to like, it correctly. Helps him. Do you think the conversation was like, dude, dude, like <laughs> we, um, I don't know if we should do this again. You know, like last time, <laughs> we were very lucky that the king, you know, like actually kind of let us slide. Like he even rewarded me for being loyal to you. Which, like, honestly, is you know, it goes to show how much he values loyalty, even if it is, like, against him, right? But, like, I, yeah. I don't know, like, I, 
listen, you're my bro. I, I want to be on your side. <laughs> but like, do you think like you live at court, you married his sister, you like you've had some children with your wife, right? So like, what? I, I'm not sure. I like, are you sure? Yeah. Demetrius was like, well, I have nothing going this weekend. Might as well go for it. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, sure. Why not? So Demetrius heads off with his friend. This time they mapped it better. They have a better clue of where they're going. They managed to get all the way into Mesopotamia. They're heading towards the border between Parthia and the Seleucid Empire. But it is there that Phraates' men catch up with Demetrius and uh, capture him course. and a friend. Again. <sighs> they almost made it out. Did not. Yeah, no. What do you think Frates does this time? <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, what happens? Shame on me. Uh, does he finally, like, put him in, in jail or something at least? No, he does not. <laughs> does he execute him? Nope, he does not. Okay, so does he just, like, again, <laughs> is like, okay, bro, please stop it. This, this is not funny anymore. Let's go to dinner now. Pretty much. He takes him and says, go back to my sister. You married her. You have children. This is your deal now. What are you doing? Yes, but he gifts Demetrius a set of golden dice so he can amuse himself if he is so bored in his palace. I... <laughs> I like, on one hand, I love this guy. It's like, he's so... Especially because Demetrius is so pathetic right now. Like, yes, it's not really like much. he's being a fool and essentially letting Demetrius escape or, like, not seeing the danger. Because, like, what is Demetrius going to do? Like, he doesn't have an army. Where's he yeah. going to... Like, he's just going to run away and then live a life where, like, I don't... You know, I don't know what he expects it, yeah. to do. It's not like he has allies waiting for him beyond the gates where it's like... Ah, uh, yes, I'll have a shot at the throne. Yeah, maybe he's naively expecting it, but they're not there. Yeah, no, so, like, it's not that our king is being particularly foolish, just giving Demetrius a pat on the back. Like, he's just being really nice, which Demetrius is not <laughs> appreciating. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, because you could frame it as, like, oh, the king should just be more stern about it and, like, not mm -hmm. be okay with this behavior. But, like, it's like, Demetrius is not a threat right now. So he's just no, like, he's bro, just, can yeah. you please be with your wife and stop being an <laughs> idiot? Like, I'm just... telling you. <laughs> also, we're told they gave him dice of the specific type that children play with. Those <laughs> mostly same. <laughs> just sit down, you child, and accept what I've given you. Honestly? Don't do anything, Is please. it gonna blow up on Demetrius's face? Because, like, at this point, I'm like, you need to be slapped. <laughs> <laughs> And just, you know, for full disclosure, I am not pro-violence when teaching anybody, child or not <laughs> child, anything. But like, you know, in a silly, hypothetical sense. Just, yes. Demetrius, what are you doing? Like, oh, my dude. Yes. But his story's not over yet. We'll get to catch up with him in a while. Of course, when he tries again. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh... Because, well, if you remember, well, who's king of the Seleucid Empire right now that Demetrius has been captured? Uh, his little brother? Yes, his, his little, little brother, brother Antiochus still... VII. Okay. I didn't know if, if he was around. Little Antiochus VII, sometimes called the last great Seleucid king, has just won his civil war. He's taken all of Syria and has become supreme ruler of that area. Mm -hmm. And now Antiochus has set his eyes on Mesopotamia because... Well, it's only been gone for like five to ten years. A lot of the native Hellenistic population had more privileges under the Seleucids. So, you know, if Antiochus does a good job, he could flip back a lot of territory to his side. Right. So Antiochus decides to gather a massive army. The largest one that has been seen yet. Oh my god. Okay. Collects everything that he has and gets ready Damn. to march east. He wants to pull on Antiochus III and reconquer Iran and make sure that the empire is reborn. Okay, damn. Yes. I am very surprised that he will get the support, but I guess there's still people who... I mean, he recently won the civil war. He has some allies in the West that have financed him and ensured that he is 
and control, so he's using all this money in one last-ditch effort mm -hmm. to retake Mesopotamia, retake the richer parts of the empire, and once he has those, he can repay his debts and rebuild the Seleucid Empire. Mm -hmm. And we're also told by the Romans, so, you know, massive spoonful of salt. <laughs> you know, because it's the Romans. <laughs> yeah. They're basically saying, oh, Antiochus spent a massive amount of money in luxuries. Not only did he have soldiers, he had them covered in silver. There was tons of money. But it might just be that they're thinking, oh, the Eastern king, of course, he's going to be using a lot of silver and luxuries. And he wouldn't move without being all fancy. Mm -hmm. So at last, Antiochus marches into Mesopotamia. And there he meets the Parthians three times. And all three times he manages to defeat the forces of Phraates. It seems like Phraates himself was not present. He was away. And we're not sure if these battles were like big, massive battles with the main Parthian army. Or, or if it's the usual Western misinterpretation of mm -hmm. Parthian tactics. And maybe right. it was just small raiding parties that were there to probe how strong Antiochus is. And yes, they were defeated, but it was like a mm -hmm. hundred dudes. It's fine. <laughs> That's one is. But Antiochus still manages to penetrate well enough into Mesopotamia. And he arrives towards the gates of Babylon and Seleucia on the Tigris, which are essentially the center of Mesopotamia. And in Seleucia, he has that the local population rises up, kills their Parthian governor, and open ups the gates to Antiochus. And the same thing happens to Babylon. So Antiochus has retaken Mesopotamia. And not only that, but we get some vague reports we don't have the details but it looks like some local kings presumably the parthian vassals in karakine and elemais in persia and those mm -hmm. similar places sending letters to antiochus saying hey if you want to take down the parthians we're with you as long as you give us our own greater independence we're gonna help out uh-huh and antiochus takes this help he decides to form this vast coalition basically Doing what Demetrius II had tried, but with a lot more soldiers and a lot better equipment. Yeah, so Antiochus has conquered Mesopotamia and he marches into Media, which is where Mithridates I had first conquered in the Seleucid Empire. And Antiochus takes Media and makes it his new headquarters when winter comes. So it's winter 129-128. And so Antiochus decides to batten down the hatches for winter, resupply his men, because, you know, you can't really travel much in winter. It's kind of a mess and you don't have that much food around. So yeah, no, you should might not as well have wait. a campaign in winter. You yeah, know. exactly. We, we know this. This is like basic warfare 101. <laughs> Good start, yes. And Antiochus also decides that since he has a big army and he's kind of short on money, he decides to tell his men to take supplies from the local population. You know, they've opened the gates to him, might as well. This will reduce the cost that Antiochus needs to take care mm -hmm. of. And at this point, Phraates sends a request for peace to Antiochus. He says, okay, I get it. You can keep Mesopotamia. We'll stay in Iran. How does that sound? You've clearly shown that you're a competent ruler. You're a competent general. Let's not have any more bloodshed. But Antiochus sends back his own demand. Antiochus says, no, no, no. Mesopotamia isn't enough. You're just barbarians squatting on my territory. What I want you to do is, first of all, give me Demetrius. Mm -hmm. I want him back. Mm -hmm. Then give up all the territory that Mithridates I conquered. Return to your tiny kingdom at the border of the world. And once you get there, you're going to be paying me a yearly tribute as my vassals. What do you think Phraates does? Uh, no thank you. I don't know. Like, how are we right now regarding armies and warfare? And well, we haven't yet had a major battle. We've had some smaller battles that Antiochus has won. And a lot of the Hellenistic-led cities have opened their gates to Antiochus and let him in. And so Antiochus now has all of Mesopotamia, most of Media, and is planning, as soon as spring comes, to take over the rest of Iran. But we haven't had a major battle yet. So we could, like... I guess if we feel confident enough that we could take him, then we'll be like, no thanks, Demetrius is married to my sister, I will keep yes. him, even though he really wants to go. <laughs> or, because I'm so tempted to just be like, yeah, take him, bye, I don't care. Well. 
but that doesn't mean that I want you to take the rest of the empire. I just want Demetrius to not be here, I guess. <laughs> but it kind of defeats our plan of like having Demetrius as a puppet king. But also, on the other hand, he's not very willing to be a puppet king. No, he doesn't seem to be happy with so the So I don't know role, if so. that plan flies anymore. Yeah, so Frati's answers, he says, I'm not going to give up everything that my father ever achieved. Yeah. And you haven't defeated us in one battle. I mean, if I'm going to lose everything anyway, I might as well take you down with me. Yeah. But about Demetrius, you can have him. That'll be cool. So Frates gives Demetrius a big pile of cash and sends him to Syria saying, You want to be king? Okay, take the throne from your brother now. Go. Go, Demetrius. Have fun. Start a civil war for me. And Demetrius heads off. He's sent with a Parthian squadron to escort him to the border. And Phraates is going to hope that, well, Demetrius starts a civil war against his brother and Antiochus is too distracted by what's happening back in Syria to continue this war and Phraates can retake Mesopotamia. Mm -hmm. So, pretty solid plan. Let's see if it works. Let's see if Demetrius messes everything up or not. But before Demetrius could arrive, Phraates had a second plan up his sleeve because he sends letters to all the cities that Antiochus was garrisoning for the winter. Mm -hmm. Because he'd heard that the local population was pretty annoyed that, you know, Antiochus was meant to be there as a liberator, but all he was doing was just taking their stuff to feed his army. And the Parthians never did that. The Parthians are always just happy to get some taxes and that's it. Yeah. Antiochus is asking for taxes and supplies. Yeah. He's not paying for it. He's just requisitioning stuff. What the hell, guys? <laughs> and so Phraates coordinates with all these different cities, and he decides to have a scheduled uprising where everybody is going to take on the Seleucids at the same time. So Phraates gives the signal on the appointed day, and all the Seleucid garrisons are massacred by the populations of the city. And, well, Antiochus is there with his main army, and he's in a city, and he, he hears all this news, so he tries to go and help out these cities. But it seems that he left with only his royal guard to be as fast as possible to get to these other areas. And at that point, over the hill, is Phraates with his own army, who had prepared this ambush knowing where Antiochus was. <laughs> and he joins the battle. And, well, given that this was all planned beforehand, Phraates manages to attack Antiochus, destroy his army, and in the end... Antiochus himself is found dead on the battlefield by Phraates, who takes yep. his corpse. Damn. So Phraates was, like, fighting on the field? Yeah, it seems cool. like he was in charge of this attack. We love a king who joins in in the battle. Yeah, he does a good job there. And it's unclear if Antiochus was killed in battle or if he just decided to take his own life after when he saw that everything mm. was lost and all his army was destroyed and there yeah. was no hope of his empire ever recovering. But... In any case, he is now dead. Good attempt, though. Yeah. Antiochus. Like, for being the little brother, like, good job. It could have gone either way, I guess, like, you know, if the battles had gone differently. He did win the previous ones, so. Yeah, he did reconquer a lot of land. Yeah. And, yeah, this is why he's called the last great Seleucid king, because he's the last one that had a chance to retake everything. Yeah, because it's not like... Things had gone differently, he could have made it. It's not like no. um, Demetrius was going to be that king. I'm sorry. Nah, not really. It was kind of a mess. But, yeah, so Antiochus tried his best. He could have made it, but no. From now on, the Seleucid Empire's in a death spiral. And, yeah, we have a couple of extra fragments regarding his end, where apparently from Polybius we get a quote from Phraates deriding Antiochus's supposed drunkenness. We're not sure if this is real or not. Hmm. Who knows? But apparently Phraates said, Your courage and your drunkenness have ruined you, O Antiochus, for you hoped that in your great cups you would be able to drink up the kingdom of Arsakis. But who knows if it happened. In the end, Phraates actually just sent Antiochus' body back to Syria in a silver casket oh. to show him respect. So Nice. Who knows if he actually said that. It seemed yeah. like he was Yeah, pretty... no, he, I, listen, all that we've heard of Phraates so far, he doesn't seem like a very vengeful or petty or like evil king at all. Like he honestly is very merciful and 
cool-headed and just overall respectful and polite. So yeah, he seems like a fair enough guy. Yeah, we'll see. Also, in Antiochus's baggage, Phraates finds a daughter of Demetrius II, who uh, was right. there, apparently, from a previous marriage, uh. and the son of Antiochus VII, a man called Seleucus. And with the traditional niceness, he treats the Seleucus with princely honors, uh. and Phraates takes the daughter of Demetrius II as his concubine. I see. Which, less great. It's still... So funny to me that Demetrius was like, this is no way to be treated. I was a king. <laughs> this is just humiliating and like demeaning and awful and how rude. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you are literally being treated like a king. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's like, what is going on? But like, Phraates is actually treating everyone with the honors they deserve. Like, what you're mad about is losing. But, like, if you lost, <laughs> yeah. what do you want to do about it? Like, you can't just nag at the person who beat you and be like, how dare you beat me? Like, yeah, well, get good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, be better. Yeah. It's so funny to me. Well, now, speaking of Demetrius, what do you think happens now? Oh, my God. Because Frati sent him off to Syria in the hopes of starting a civil war with Antiochus, but now Antiochus is dead. Yeah. Does Demetrius try to start a war against Phraates? Not really. Uh, okay. So, I'm not saying he succeeds, because again, I don't know who would support <laughs> him right now, but like... Well, first of all, Phraates sort of regretted having sent off Demetrius, was like, ah, damn, now I don't yeah. have my potential puppet king anymore, so he sends some soldiers after him to try and catch him. But this <laughs> time, Real this humble. time, Demetrius makes it back to Syria. I see. <laughs> it's so funny. Like, when... Phraates finally lets him go. It's like, okay, I better run now. <laughs> and he finally yeah. makes it yes. away. Like, he makes it... I have one chance. It. I am not going to run away. We don't know if his friend made it with him. Hopefully Aww. he did, you know. Aww. He was a good do friend. Do we know the name of his friend? Like, do we know We anything? don't know. It's just Aww. a friend. Kind of sad. What a shame. Okay. But hey, get him to cover for you. He's, he's good. Who's going to make a show about this? Like, <laughs> it has to be a comedy, please. Yes, there's a sitcom about Demetrius escaping every other week and Frati's trying to catch him. It's great. <laughs> we should, like, you know, his friend is the protagonist and it's just like, ah, oh, yes, yes, this is the shenanigans <laughs> that I got into. Yes, it's very much Blackadder with Prince George. Yeah. And that's it. But Demetrius is lucky at this point because, well, his brother's dead. Can I be king now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, would you look at that? It's for me? Yes, and everybody's like, uh, sure, I guess. I mean, we don't have another king at the moment, so I guess you'll do. I guess you're here now. Yeah. But, of course, this is going to cause a whole bunch of civil wars with the rest of the dynasty. Because now we have that there are the side of the family that are descended from Demetrius II, the side of the family that's descended from Antiochus VII, and... There's going to be a civil war between these two sides of the family. And mm. It's a whole thing. It's going to be terrifying and it'll last until the end of the empire. So, again, death spiral. Yeah. But, oh well. But in the end, finally, Phraates has defeated this greatest threat to his empire. He retakes Mesopotamia now that the Seleucid forces are gone. Mm -hmm. And he tries to make sure that everything is stable enough. It looks like also he lost quite a few men during this war, or at least wasn't confident in the number of soldiers he had. So he decided to take a lot of the soldiers he'd captured during Antiochus VII's invasion and told them, Hey, listen, you can fight for me and have good pay, or you can go back to the burning trash fire that is the Seleucid Empire, but I'm not going to help you get there. Yeah. Make your decision. And it seems like a lot of the people took him up on his offer and joined his army. So now we're having a nice mixed thing going on. In the meantime, in Mesopotamia, we have that Phraates appoints a governor, a man called Himerus, as viceroy of the West to control mm -hmm. this area in his name. And it looks like things were still a bit touchy with the Greek population in the area. So Phraates doesn't really feel confident staying in Seleucia, or at least keeping it as a headquarters. So he decides to found a new city just on the other side of the river from Seleucia. 
This city is going to be called Tessiphon. And it's going to be very important for the next 700 years. Because it is the next step in our Babylon migrating north. And if you've heard of Tessiphon from Roman history, yes, this is that. Tessiphon is the same one. Ah, the name rings a bell. It's a baby city now, but it's there. Well, at this point, it looks like with control being restored in the west, Frates thinks, okay, well, the Seleucid army is destroyed. How about we just take the Mediterranean coast now? I've always wanted to see the Mediterranean. Let's take over Syria. So he gathers a large force with part of these old Greek troops and his own Parthians, and he starts to march towards Antioch to take it over. It's at this point that he gets a message from Jessica. Jessica knocks on the door, says, Uh, excuse me, sir, there's, uh, news from the east. Remember the nomads? Yeah, they're back. They weren't sleeping while you were off dealing with the Antiochus situation. Ah, right. So, Frati sighs and says, Ah, fine, I guess. Sure, let's do that. That'll be fine, Because we'll deal with this now. Fine. We'll see the Mediterranean next time. And, yeah, it's sort of unclear who these nomads are, because certain sources say that they were actually mercenaries that Phraates got to fight Antiochus, but Antiochus was defeated before these mercenaries were used, so Phraates didn't pay them in the end, and the mercenaries just decided to raid the countryside to make up for it. Or it's just the previous nomads of before just invading Mm. and... uh, and doing the same thing they are doing under Mithridates, and just happened to be a nuisance. Well, Phraates then decides to head over to the east and take care of the nomads. But at the same time, the governor of Mesopotamia, Himerus, tried to subdue the kingdom of Karakine at the mouth of the Tigris and the Euphrates, but it went so, so, so terribly. Oh, God. Because Himerus was defeated... And he was apparently rather cruel, or at least unsympathetic, to the local population. And this allowed the king of Karakine to take over Babylon and become rulers of Mesopotamia. Ah, I see. So, the west is sort of gone. And at the same time, the kingdom of Elamis, the vassal kingdom just to the west of Persia, they're also rising up and trying to become independent again. Because, well, it doesn't really matter if the Seleucids are in charge. As long as somebody is in charge of Mesopotamia, they have the upper hand. So Phraates, on receiving this news, decides, Ugh, fine, I guess I'll send somebody to deal with Mesopotamia now while I deal with the nomads. There's too many things happening at the same time. So he sends a general to deal with Mesopotamia, while Phraates takes a large force to deal with Saka nomads in the east. Hmm. And it looks like Phraates didn't really trust his Greek soldiers too much, Mm. especially not with Mesopotamia. So he decides to send most of his Parthians to the west to deal with the Mesopotamia situation. And Phraates takes some Parthians, but a large amount of those Greeks he took from Antiochus with himself so he can keep an eye on them. And yeah, apparently the Greek sources tell us that the Greek soldiers were harshly mistreated by Phraates, but Mm. this could just be... The Greek sources being Greek sources and yeah. not liking Phraates. Sadly, I do not trust them. the Greeks or the Romans in this issue. Yeah, and I mean, they've been writing Maybe. Friend of the Greeks on their coins for a while. They're trying to be accommodating, so it doesn't seem the type to be unusually cruel. Yeah. but No, also just, like, by his behavior until now, like... Yeah, it doesn't seem like if the this type had been a guy. cruel king from the beginning, I'd be like, "Oh, I mean, could be," but he's not, so I, I don't know. Yeah, seems fine. It's also not nobility, so like maybe, but like it would be very out of character. I feel like it's like, what would he gain from it? Yeah, it doesn't sound reasonable to antagonize the people yeah. with sharp things in your army. Yeah, exactly. Like not that it's out of character in the sense of oh he would never because like maybe i don't know people are very weird and like treat different demographics differently right Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem a smart thing to do to antagonize your own army and he seems like a smart king who makes like pretty logical and sound decisions so i don't think he would do that yeah it's a bit mysterious but well (laughs) 
that's what ancient sources get you. Yeah. Especially when you don't have both sides of the story and you just have, yep. like, yep. the enemy telling you what Parthia is like. But anyway, Prates takes this army and he marches to the east. He reoccupies lost land and manages to slowly direct the nomads into an area where he can face them directly and not really worry too much about them breaking through and going into the more sensitive areas of the empire that are less defended. So Frates manages to funnel these nomads into one specific area. He finds a field of battle and he manages to give battle against these. The problem here is that it doesn't look like he was very good at integrating the Greeks into his plans. You know, he was mm. used to commanding these Parthian forces, these heavily cavalry-based troops. Right. And now that he has a lot of foot soldiers, which are used to fighting in a phalanx, he didn't really know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried, but he didn't really have a good picture of it. Yeah. And so, Frates gives battle, and it seems like things are beginning to turn against him. Ah, oh, heck. Okay. Yeah. At this point, the Greek soldiers just look around and say, Does anybody mind if we just leave the battle and leave him to die? Mm. No? Good. Okay. Bye. Oh, See no. you all in Syria. Oh, no. So, yeah. With... The Greek soldiers deserting en masse. Phraates finds himself surrounded by the Saka, and he himself was killed in 127. Mm. And so dies poor Phraates. That's such a shame. What an underwhelming end to this very promising king. Because he did a really good job so far. It's yeah. just... Yeah, it just happened that... Well, there was just too many things happening at the same time. It's going to just be a mess. As often happens. I guess it would make sense that, like, if the soldiers were mistreated, as the Greek sources say, they would abandon. However, that also might be a thing to make the soldiers not look like terrible soldiers for abandoning who they were serving. Yeah, that's true. It might just be the Greeks trying to say, oh, no, yeah. no, they weren't running away because they're cowards or traitors. They were running away because they were mistreated. That's why. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, I mean, but were they, though? Yeah. So, yes, that is the end of poor Frates, who did a oh. good job, but... Did really oh. well. Yeah. I like him. At least because maybe we don't know that many things that happen regarding conquest or politics, but, like, I feel like I got a good picture of his personality and how he ruled, and I like how he went about things. Yeah, it seems like he followed in his father's footsteps. And I like a me a benevolent king, direction. you know? Yeah. There aren't many of those, but yeah, it's exactly. nice to get one. <laughs> so yeah, poor Frates. And well, one of the advantages of having an elective monarchy is that if your king dies without appointing an heir, the nobility will sort something out. So I guess that's the silver lining of him dying in battle. That, well, something has been organized. And he will be succeeded by his uncle, Artabanus I. So, yeah. Are you ready to rate Frates, Serial? Yeah. I'm actually nice. working on the drawing. Oh, right excited. Our first category is Final Moments. How interesting was his death? Dying in battle after his Greek soldiers betrayed him halfway through. Very sad. <laughs> actually. Yeah, it's sad. It's... Depressing, but I like yeah. it. I think it's interesting. There's a lot of betrayal. It's very dramatic. It's not personal betrayal, but it's always nice to see betrayal somewhere. Yeah. So, yeah, and apart from that, we don't really have any specific details on what happened. You know, like Demetrius I, we know he went down swinging, but Frates, we know that he died in the battle at the end, which is disappointing. Yeah, I'll give that like a three. A three? No, I'm more impressed. I think I'm going to go... I'm going to aim death? for a five. Yeah, I mean, I like that it's a death in battle. It was a death because the soldiers betrayed him. I think that's worth a five. I don't... It's just so unfair. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's a good narrative detail that it's unfair. I <laughs> but guess. you can stay with a three if you like it. Yeah, let's stay with a three. I'm like, oh, well, okay. I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, with a 5 and a 3, we get a 4 out of 10 for final moments. Next category is Battle Hardness. How good was he at war and fighting? Decent. 
he did a pretty good job, yeah. To recap, he managed to, well, he lost a few starting battles with Antiochus VII, but then eventually managed to win the war. Kill Antiochus, organized this whole uprising at the same time, so that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then he retook Mesopotamia media after Antiochus left. The problem is then that he lost Mesopotamia because his governor messed up and failed his invasion. So that's mm-hmm. not ideal. Then in the east, he managed to retake some territory, but, well, yet he was defeated and died in the final battle. So mm. I feel like there's good elements, but also there's... It's not perfect, let's say. But yeah, so Battle Hardness, I think he deserves something, because he defeated the last great Seleucid army. That's, that's yeah. good. But also, he died in battle, he lost against the Nomads, he lost against the Kingdom of Karakine in the West. Yeah, unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, the first part of his reign was really good, really impressive. The ending was just a bit of a mess. And maybe it's just because he died in battle. If he had had a chance to do some more, then it would have worked out, but... Like this, it was a bit uh, underwhelming. Yeah. I think I'm going to go for a four, maybe, because he did a good correct. job. Yeah, that sounds good. not ideal. That's about so. where I was as well. Yeah. Because it's not bad, but also, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't great either. Yeah, I think it's just under the middle of the road. Okay, so with a four and a four, he gets an eight out of 20 for battle hardness. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and manipulation? He didn't have too much in there, but I think... he wasn't a manipulative king. Yeah, I think the main point is... I think you could count it as schemey, the fact that he coordinated this uprising among all the occupied cities under Antiochus to try and all at the same time murder their garrisons. I feel like that's worth something. It's not a huge level of personal schemey, but it's fair enough. And then I'd say anything else? Not really. All the Demetrius stuff. Uh, you mm. could see it maybe sending Demetrius to start a civil war as a schemey thing. Again, it's not like, oh, I'll do this as a secret and, mm. you know, it, it was more like, yeah, this is strategically makes sense. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't see it as a plot or, a, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, apart from that, he doesn't try to murder anyone that we know. Just pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd give him a two for the whole Seleucid uprising thing. But not really anymore. I think that's as much as he can get. How about you, Serial? You said a two? Mm-hmm. No, a one. A one? Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so with a 2 and a 1, we get a 3 out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How shocking was this man? Uh, Again, here is sort of following his father where it's just... I mean, it's mostly shocking that he didn't kill Demetrius. Yeah. Kept accepting him and saying, just don't be a child. Just stay here with your wife and your children. What are you doing? So that's the main shocking thing. Otherwise... Shocking bits could be that he took up the Greek soldiers into his army and that he mistreated them if he did indeed do that. Although we have said that we don't really believe that. Yeah, Yeah. that would be shocking if he did do that, because why? Yeah, pretty much. But I feel like it's very much storytelling of like, oh, that led him to his death because, you know. Yeah, it fits more in the story. Yeah, I think shock factor, the only thing you can really give him is that he was just too nice to Demetrius. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, meh. I forget, did Demetrius end up dying? Uh, Demetrius is now king in Syria. Yeah, I was like, where did we leave him? Okay. Yes. God, so I guess that he is got enough. what he wanted. Yeah, we'll s- I mean, we won't see, but... Yeah. I was gonna say, I don't think... Yes. Yes. If Alexander Standard does him, or rather, when they do, you can figure Ugh. out. I would love goes. to know their opinion on this guy if they are like ah oh, finally you know if they elevate him or if it's yeah. just like yeah he's he's a bit of an idiot i don't see why you would be an admirer of demetrius the <laughs> second maybe there's bits i didn't read who knows his sister is cool he's eh. hmm. 
so yeah, shock factor. I think I'm going to match what I gave Mithridates is just a token one for the yeah. being too nice, and yeah. that's it. I agree, actually. Nice. So yeah, with the one and a one, we get a two out of twenty for shock factor. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire in general and Persia in particular? He did a pretty good job. So okay, so let's talk about upsides. Upsides. He managed to preserve the Empire from falling apart when Antiochus VII invaded, because there was mm-hmm. a real possibility that they would just lose everything. Yeah. Because it was barely consolidated, and now he's bought them more time. You know, once you get to the point of a generation passing, then everybody accepts that this is the way of things. But while you're still in that dangerous period at the start, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So he did a good job. He managed to defeat Antiochus and ensure that the empire would be considered stable and maintained. At the start of his reign during the regency, he tried to consolidate some of the vassal kingdoms. He made the rulers of Persia kings, not just Prataraka. And then he tried to fight back the nomads, but failed. Then in the west, he lost Mesopotamia to Karakine, which is not great because we kind of need that. It's rich and important, so if an other empire has it, that puts everyone else in danger. So it's, nah. <laughs> I mean, he I continued see. his policy of tolerance towards the Greeks and tried to incorporate them, but again, I don't think the empire is better off under him. I don't think it's his fault. I think he did what he could, but I think the empire is in a more shaky position than it was when Mithridates I was there. Hmm. So, I'm wondering between a three and a four, because I like Frates. I think he tried, he did his best, but he isn't opening up a great golden age with his reign. Mm. He is sort of holding the ship steady, and it's crumbling a bit. <sighs> I'm actually going to do three, because he loses both in the east and yeah. the west. And Sadly, in, in the end, he does not do that much good for the Empire. Yeah, if he died like a couple years earlier before everything went to hell, then, uh, okay, that would have been a greater result, but no. Yeah, not really him to blame that much, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, under he, the circumstances, yeah, he, he could did have done better. Fair, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, I give him, a, what did you say, a three? I, I said a three, three yeah. or, or a two, if everything is going to go badly now. I'll go for a two. Okay, a two. Understandable. So yeah, in the end, with a 3 and a 2, he gets a 5 out of 20 for Aaron Shine. Our next category is Face of Faces. What do you think this man looked like? I am almost done. I've been working on this. Nice. Okay, are you ready? Oh, nice. So Serial <laughs> is so done. Silly. Let me open it up. I have a suspicion on what you went for, but <laughs> if I was right. Oh, but you have no idea. Okay, I'm curious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Very good. I also love the outfit. That's Yay. impressive. So what we have is a man in the center with a nice pair of long, comfy-looking pants. A nice shirt with lots of little starry patterns, it looks like. He has long hair, a beard, nice little diadem. And in one hand, he has... A leash leading to a child, which is labeled Demetrius, in his nice little Seleucid probes, just wandering off. And then we have Frates dealing with another child labeled the rest of the Empire's problems, which is now on the floor being held by another leash. Do you know this meme of this woman in an airport, I think it is, wrangling two toddlers on leashes? It's this. Yes, yes, I love it. This is very strong and... Good old Frates was trying his best, but these children are just getting in the way. It's too difficult. Damn you, toddlers. I mean, to be honest, I don't think Demetrius was that much of a problem ever. But It was know. just a pain, mostly. Yeah. Just, ah, I have other stuff to do. Why? Just stay still for like five seconds. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So, thank you, Serial. All of our of lovely listeners can find it on the website. You can either access Serial's portrait gallery or... Click on the link in the description of the episode and get to the page. And now let me show Serial what he actually looked like. And they can tell us what they think. Ah, 
interesting portrait. Fun that like the beard looks very curly, but then the hair is honestly kind of straight. That's very fun. Yeah, I think this is just mainly that he's young and he can't grow a proper beard yet. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I like it. But yeah. Different facial features. I am very happy to like be on a different dynasty now. <laughs> and you <laughs> yes, know, have not the same more jeans in the gene pool. So this a uh, young man looking to the right on a profile on a coin. He wears a diadem, so we're keeping that symbolism. Mm -hmm. His hair is straight, mostly, and cut kind of in a page boy cut of like... Well, not really a page boy. It's kind of like what it's been these past portraits where like a shorter on the fringe and then it just goes on a diagonal to the back of the head, right? Yeah. It's kind of straight hair and then a bit of a beard, big eyes and shorter, more like rounded nose. Mm -hmm. And... Thick neck. I don't know. I d yeah. Yeah. I can't tell it's, if he has an earring. That I, that might be a thing. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if it's. I don't just... know if it's like a curl <laughs> or an earring there, but yeah. that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like him. Wouldn't be out of character, but yeah. A fun portrait. Oh yeah, it looks like a nice young king. Fancy. He does look benevolent and like a nice person. So I don't know. Yeah. Like a nice person He's in like the nice regards guy. of like a public image of a king. Yeah, sure. he's not portraying himself as I will flay you alive. Yeah. He's saying, hey, look at me. I'm a friend of the Greeks. Yes. Please don't rebel. Thank you. So, yeah. yeah. This is nice. nice. I think I'll go for like a five, maybe. It's another coin. It's fine. Yeah. I'm going to go for a four. I'm not as impressed with yeah. the beard. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Not that impressive of a portrait. It's just, okay, it's another coin. Yeah. It's a dude. I'm glad we have it. Yeah, it's nice to have. It's contemporary. It's and it's how he chose to represent himself. So, like, that's mm -hmm. cool. Okay, so you're sticking with a five. Yeah. And I'll give him a four. So, together, we get a 2.3 out of five for Face of Faces. Our next category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man reigned? Oh, uh, like, ten years? Ten years? No, it's actually half of that. Oh, five. Okay. He reigned only five years from 132 to 127, hmm. where he what tried. Yeah. If he had lived longer, he would have done, he probably would have had a longer, more successful reign, but... Yeah, but also he died alas. in battle. Like, he died because he lost. So, like, you know... Yeah. <laughs> Could have been better, but oh well. Yeah. So, dividing by 10, that is a 0 0.5 out of 5 for lengthiness. Which leads us to the final score, which amounts to a 24.8 out of 100, which places him just above Fraortes, mm -hmm. his somewhat namesake, mm -hmm. and just under Darius II. Yeah. So, he is in the middle, in the 20s club, that... where most of our rulers have been. Checks out. Yeah, it's a... It's He's an acceptable okay. reign. Yeah. Not, it's not embarrassingly bad. Nothing to write home about, but eh. He tried. An yeah, attempt was made. his best. Yes. Yeah, so that leads us to the final question, which is to say, was he demetrius -y enough? Was he <laughs> fighting back enough? Was he resilient enough to be called a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahanah? I think as much as I like him and I liked his style of ruling and his benevolence and mercy, I don't think he would qualify, sadly. No, I agree. He messed up too much. Yeah, again, I think give him an extra decade of ruling, if he yeah. had made it, I think he would have done a fair enough job, but mm. like this, it's meh. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, unfortunate. But yeah, so sorry, Fratis. You have to go off into the desert. You can meet Vodfordad and tell him that Iran is still not stable. We're trying, we promise, but it's still messy. We still need to deal with everything exploding all the time. Mm. We'll hope it goes better. Yeah, hopefully we get to a better point at some point. I don't know. Yeah, we're still not out of the... Quote unquote crisis period. Yeah, I am very <laughs> skeptical and scared now that I know that apparently it gets worse. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it's going to get worse for a little bit more until it gets better. But yeah, so that is the end of today's episode. Hope you join us next time for Artabanus the First. We're going to have a lot of Artabanuses, oh. and 
so many that the numbers become confusing and historians don't agree on what you should number them. And oh no. It's a whole thing. Oh no. I'm going to stick with one numbering, but, you know, the advice is to look up the dates and then be like, ah, yes, this is who they mean. I feel like as long as we stick with one numbering system, then, you know. We will try If our we best. are consistent. <laughs> yes, we will be consistent. Know that it's not comparable to most things. So it happens. Also, if you've enjoyed this foray into Parthian history and you want to hear more, well, first of all, keep tuning in, but also tell your friends. Give us a review. We appreciate it. And tell people that, hey, we have a new dynasty. It's going to be fun. We get to fight the Romans soon. It'll be good. And yeah, so I think that's all we have on our side. And we hope you have a nice week and we'll see you next time with more Parthian chaos. Goodbye. Goodbye.